Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. So today is going to be like a whole banquet. It's a whole feast, so we got to get into it pretty quickly because it's everything I get, didn't get time to say the first four weeks. <laughs> so, so anyway, our, our message is, uh, the theme is called Lord of the Harvest. Today's message I call Boomerangs and Rolling Stones. We'll tell you, it'll be self-explanatory in a moment, okay? So we're going to begin with Nehemiah in a time of false accusations and constant harassment while rebuilding the wall of Zion, Nehemiah 4.4. 4. Nehemiah prays this from the message. Oh, listen to us, dear God. We're so despised. Boomerang their ridicule on their heads. Have their enemies cart them off as war trophies to a land of no return. So you, know, you, you, you thought being a Christian meant you had to just be turning so many cheeks that you didn't have any cheeks left. There are moments where you take a stand. Proverbs 26, verse 27 said this way, though, whoever digs a pit will fall into it. And he who rolls a stone, not, not like, you know, Mick Jagger rolling, you know, rolling stone. This is a different stone. He who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. I, I say this way, be, beware of the pits you dig for others. The pit you dig today may be your own. Finally, Romans chapter 12 from the message said this, verse 16. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us if you see your enemy hungry, Go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. You might know that passage as vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you for the promises of your holy word that you are the Lord of the harvest, both in the good and in the bad. You said whatever we sow, we will reap. We ask you, Lord, today to give us a heart to see what you're going to do and to trust you in every situation. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been saying this month, if you want a better future than your pastor present, you hold the power in your own hands. It all begins with the seed you have right now. You say, what what, what do I have right now? I don't know what you have right now, but you have something. And you have something that is not just to consume, but you have something that is a seed for your future. Remember the woman with the, uh, when Elijah came and he went to the widow woman in Zarephath and and he said, uh, uh, go make make me a little cake. She said, I don't have anything. He said, well, you got something. She said, well, all I have is a little bit of flour and oil to make one more meal. He said, go use that. Go make me a cake and there's going to be enough for you and your, and your son. Understand that God always leaves you with a seed. 
for every person, no matter how far down you may be. You may be at home watching and feeling like you're a shut-in, an invalid, somebody who can't move around. You feel immobilized and it makes you feel unimportant. I'm telling you, you're not unimportant to God. And no matter what your condition is, God has given you a seed where you are to bring a shift to where you're headed. Sow that seed. Don't eat it and cry over it. Don't hide it under a basket or put it under the mattress. Sow that seed. That's this whole month. So now, as we move forward, our God is the Lord of the harvest. He alone sets the rules. We talked about his lordship last week. He is Lord. He's holy. He is Lord, which means he's owner and master of the harvest. He owns it all. He owns, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the harvest. He owns, the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it and everyone who lives in it. You say, what about the wicked? What about the evil? What about the people who hate God? God said that by right they're his, but they can choose not to turn to him if they want to. But somebody is supposed to share good news that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Just a few quick thoughts as we finish up this week. God is very specific about his laws of harvest. It's very specific about it. So, so, so specific, scripturally, he would, it would blow your mind. And so I wanna talk about God's laws govern the whole universe and governs sowing and reaping, which is why he mentions it in Genesis 8.22. God rules timing. is one of the ways he, he rules or governs the harvest. God rules timing. Everybody say timing. timing. See, the problem with timing is we don't like it because it's, God's timing is never our time. God's time is never our time, but God is always right on time. I'll prove it to you from scripture. I love this passage. You know, for 40 years, God supernaturally fed his people Israel manna every day coming out of Egypt. And even though they were being punished in that 40-year journey, should have, been a, should have been an 11-day walk or at the very least a 40-day kind of thing when they sent, he sent scouts into the, into the promised land. But instead it became 40 years because of their disobedience. And yet God's provision and love still prevailed and Joshua 5, verse 12, this is, this, is, this is one of the most mind-blowing, if you'd actually sit and consider it and think about this, <clears throat> one of the greatest miracles, not just their parting of the Red Sea, which was an instantaneous miracle, the water from a rock in the desert that gave water to, uh, to quench the thirst of three million people coming out of Egypt, and the rock stayed with them for the journey, but God supernaturally sent manna. And the Bible says in Joshua 5, 12, then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Think of this. Talk about harvest, sowing and reaping. God knew exactly the first day that some of those crops would come in. They had planted them, they watered them, they had the sunlight on, they kept the bugs off of them, and they had to nurture them, take care of the farm. And then the first day, 
the first day that that came up, they had manna and they had food and the next day the manna was gone. Listen, here's the point. Some of you, like me and my wife, some of you have gone through seasons where you had nothing and God still provided for you every day. But then a new job opened, a new opportunity, a new relationship, something happened and the shift happened and you didn't live by, your, see, you didn't live by emergencies anymore. You, live, you didn't live by emergency miracles. You lived by daily bread, provision miracles of God through what you were doing in partnership with God. God is that specific. How many have been through those seasons where you know God took you through, you wouldn't have made it through without God getting you through, right? But then you come into a new season and God says, okay, it's time to grow up a little bit. I'm not gonna have, I'm not gonna have, you're not gonna just walk out of the house and have it on the ground. You gotta go, you know, deal. If you're gonna, if you're gonna have a ranch and you're gonna, and you're gonna uh, have a cattle ranch, you're gonna deal with some bull, <laughs> Right? You're going to deal with it. So, so, so this is, it's a lot easier. I'm going to go out and say, let's have manna. But for 40 years, remember after a few weeks, they despised it. After a few weeks, they're like, could we go back to Egypt where we can get garlic and onions and leeks and, and, and spices and things? Can we, can we go back? But that was the slave food. God said, no. And then Jesus comes and says, man shall not live by bread alone, manna but by every word that proceeds to the mouth of God. His word then propels you into a season where you're in partnership with God in the law of sowing and reaping. Amen? Powerful stuff. Here's another part where God rules timing. Supernatural harvest acceleration. As fast as you can plow it up sometimes and sow the seed... You'll be gathering the harvest and processing its abundance. Here's a, this is an end time prophecy from Amos chapter nine, verse 13. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. The Bible says that as, as we reestablish the tabernacle of David, which is a couple of verses before, as we reestablish and see praise and worship reestablished in the church again after 2,000 years of going into Gregorian chants and, and all these different things, as we see worship and praise erupt again as we are the last 30, 40 years in the body of Christ worldwide, the next thing that's gonna happen is you're gonna see that your harvest happens almost before you can sow the seed. That there's gonna be a supernatural acceleration and I believe for 2023 that many people in this church and in the body of Christ are gonna be, be, be experiencing supernatural acceleration of harvest and you won't, it'll be unexplainable. It'll be God, it'll be unexplainable. And all you can say is, I don't even know how that's happened. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what's coming. <clears throat> that's what you have to look for. That's what you have to be grateful for when it does. So I say this to you. God can be trusted with his perfect timing. You may not see it with your eyes yet, but I would say this to you. As you hear about other people's testimonies, celebrate with them, don't despise them celebrate with them, okay? Let's keep moving. 
So another way that God is specific about his laws of harvest and he governs the whole universe and sowing and reaping, God rules over soil conditions. He rules over weather patterns and soil conditions. Genesis 26, great passage, Isaac, the son of Abraham, the father of Israel, he is living in a season of famine in his land and he feels like he gets, he, he gets his feelings, okay? He gets, in, he gets in his feelings. And we know from scripture, he feels he should go back to Egypt because they got plenty of food. And his daddy had gone there for a while and he, he feels he's gonna go to Egypt. <clears throat> he's gonna go there. And suddenly God intervenes. It says, Genesis 26, verse two. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt, but live in the land of which I shall tell you. So verse six says, so Isaac dwelt in Gerar. That was a place where the Philistines lived and a a foreign king that that, that, that was a, it was kind of a mess for his family. But he, he, he decided, well, I better, I mean, there's famine, okay? So it's a dust bowl. Nothing's growing. All the farmers around him don't have anything. And he wants to go back to Egypt. Egypt always represents the world system. Egypt always represents the flesh. The flesh. So he, he says, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to go get a job in Egypt. I know that, that, I know that they'll take good care of me there. At least they'll be Pharaoh with me. Sorry. Well, at least, at least well, I can do, you know, multi-level marketing. There's got to be some kind of pyramid scheme there. All right, you're, you're behind the eight ball today. You say, Pastor, that joke sphinx. No, no. Anyway, so let's keep moving. Genesis 26, verse 12. By the way, y'all missed it if you came first service last week and didn't come second. Second service last week, I don't even know what happened. It was the craziest thing. We stepped into a whole different level of God moving through laughter in the church, where it was actually funny, by the way. And, And at the end, things were happening and hearts were being changed and people were healed. Great things happening. So sometimes you've got to ride the wave, and sometimes that wave with me goes through Egypt. Anyway, so, <clears throat> so down a few verses later, it says very clearly, verse 12, then Isaac sowed in that land, that land, didn't go running helter-skelter willy-nilly, oh, I got to go back, oh, oh. The, the, the economy, oh, we've got inflation. Oh, I better get back to Ohio. I better get back to New York. I better get back. No, 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 no. You go where God calls you to be. <clears throat> Isaac sowed in that land where nothing else was working for anybody else. And he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. A hundredfold. That means 100% of optimum yield. 100% of his potential crop He reaped it, and the Lord blessed him. And the man, I love this, the man began to prosper, continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Now, 
For those of you who have been brought up in places where they say, there's no such thing as prosperity in the Bible. Well, please, there's triple prosperity in one verse. It's mentioned three times in one verse. Now, what we don't believe here is that that means everybody's supposed to be a billionaire or even a millionaire. But you are supposed to have enough and more than enough. Enough for you and your family and more than enough so you can help other people. Can you believe that? That's prosperity. Amen. That's prosperity. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous and had more than enough. Trust God with your immediate action of obedience. So where and when the Holy Spirit says, and you'll have a guaranteed harvest. Don't go run to Egypt. Don't go run every time you're in a pinch. You can't go, well, this ain't working. I'm gonna go, I'll show, I'll show God or I'll show people, I'll, I'll make it happen. We had a couple that we've known for many, many years, um, Bill and Sherry Gibson, who went out to, years ago, they were in our church and uh, we had known them for a while and uh, they went out to go to Bible college in California and Bill Bill had been, we, well, we knew Bill. He was in, he, he sold um, cemetery plots for a while. He sold insurance for a while. He was just a real go-getter. He, they live in, I think, Lakeland now. But he's a, they're a great couple. And Bill said, uh, as we prayed for them and helped them and sent them out to go to Bible school in California, <laughs> Bill said, it will be fine. I'm gonna make it happen. Do you know they got out there and for the first six months, and they got it there, they were shocked with rentals. R- rental prices in California were not like Ocala. <clears throat> and they got out there and they, they were freaking out. And, and they, so he, he tried a job selling um, frozen, no, selling, selling fresh fish or something out of a truck. He did, I mean, he tried everything out there. Nothing worked. Sherry got a job instantly. And she wound up even working for the ministry where they were going, and they both eventually did. But for six months, as long as Bill was going, I'm gonna make this happen. I can do anything. I can sell ice cubes to Eskimos. I can do whatever, you know, I can do whatever. Nothing worked until one day he heard the Lord say, what are you, what are you doing? You need me. And at that moment, he got the lifetime message of what Bible school was supposed to be about. And all of a sudden, God began to bless him. My friends, don't try to be the self-made anything. Just be the best God-made version of, of you. That's all you gotta be. Don't to be anything else. So, so where and when the Holy Spirit says, and trust him and just obey. Don't run to Egypt. Don't run to your flesh. Don't run to yourself. And then finally this, and I'll take the final few moments and just kind of drill down on this a little bit because this, is, this was a prophetic word that I received from the Lord back in December, but I, I, I wasn't released to give it until now. <clears throat> you know, there is such a thing as a boomerang effect. You know what a boomerang is. If you, it's the Australian you know, little thing, there are toys. And I tried to get one on Amazon, but it wouldn't arrive early enough. I want to show you one, put it in my, put it in my hand. And 
And I was going to throw it at you, but you know, I knew what was going to happen. I didn't want to damage the lights anyway. So, But um, a boomerang is something you throw and it comes back to you. Or should I say, at you. The Lord spoke to my heart that harvest time, if you don't hear anything I say, write this part down, put this in your notes, write it in your Bible, whatever it is. 2023, harvest time is going to be a time of sudden epic reversals. This is what I believe with all my heart. That harvest time, when we talk about harvest this month, harvest time is going to be a time of sudden epic reversals. The boomerang effect means reversals. Things go out, but they come back. And what I mean by, listen, in, in, in competitive wrestling, if you're in a position, you know, they, they'll, they'll put you on the mat and the, 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 the referee puts one down and one around in the, uh, in the more dominant position. And if you can turn the tables in that moment, you get points on, for something called reversal. Reversal. If you're the one on the floor, on the mat, and you can suddenly, in that round, get the dominant position, you get a point for that. And what I saw in my spirit are these reversals, these things where it looks like everything, like you're down, like I'm down, like, like we're, all, we're on the mat, and suddenly God does something and it completely flips on its head. Do you receive that? It, God is going to turn it around and it's going to be a boomerang effect. What does a boomerang do? It comes back. What does a rolling stone do? The Bible says that a rolling stone you roll rolls back on the roller, not on the rollie. Galatians 6 and 7 from the message says this, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness. So here's the context. We talk about it all the time. God's mock, whatever man sows, actually also reap. The, the, the message goes into this part. The person who plants selfishness Ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All I have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Can you say amen? amen. That's the truth. That's the fact. God isn't muck. Don't be misled that you're going to reap what you sow. Verse nine said this way from the New King James, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I believe that what the Spirit of God is speaking to my heart is that for many in the body of Christ, 2023 is due season. It is harvest time. It is time to cash in you're, you're, all the seeds you've sown, the, to, you know, they say what goes around comes around. That's sowing and reaping. What you have to understand is that you, there's a law there and it's gonna happen, but you have to keep sowing the good seed, keep sowing the good word, keep sowing, you know, the, the smile, keep sowing the encouragement, keep sowing whatever it is. It's gonna come back to you. Blessing belongs to God 
and so does vengeance. So be careful what kind of seed you're sowing. In fact, be very careful with the attitude of your heart as you see other people reaping from the bad seeds they sowed. Proverbs 24, 17 says this from the message, don't laugh when your enemy falls. Don't crow over his collapse. God might see and become very provoked and then take pity on his plight. There may be the reversal of the reversal if you, keep, if you have a wrong attitude about it. You, you've got to have a good spirit about this. You've got to have a good heart about what's going on around you. I'm going to finish with this. There's one big Bible boomerang that we can't, that we can't ignore. And many of you know the story, but it's so powerful. And I learned some things uh, a few months ago that stayed in my spirit. In the book of Esther... A young orphan Jewish woman wins a national beauty pageant and becomes queen of Persia. That's, the, that's about the first three or four chapters of, of Esther in one sentence, okay? So I'm saving you a little time, but that's the essence of it, okay? Now her relative Mordecai, because she's a, an orphan, and I'm gonna take a little, a little, I'm gonna take a little shift here for a second. One of the things the Lord has been speaking in my heart about, I don't have a message, I don't have notes about it, is people that are going, that are suffering from rejection and abandonment issues. If you were raised without two parents, or you were raised with an abusive parent, or you were raised in a just a dysfunctional home, or you were raised... Um, by busy parents that loved you and thought the main thing you needed was just a roof over your head and clothes on your back. We have a whole generation right now, especially those raised in broken homes, blended families. We have a whole generation of people now, and I'm not talking about just teenagers and children. I'm talking about our generation that has been raised with deep trauma over rejection and abandonment issues to which they behave in certain manners and get us stuck into patterns that are unhealthy. We used to talk about an orphan spirit. That's why it's interesting that Esther was an orphan but raised by her cousin or uncle. It's, it, it, he's a kunkel. We don't, I mean, in scripture, he's like, is he the uncle, is he the cousin? I don't know, I mean, it's, it's, it's Mordecai's uncle's daughter's son's barber's cousin's dog walker. I don't know. But she's raised by a relative that's not her dad. And this still rises to the surface. And the book of Esther is a metaphor. Esther is a type of the church, the bride of Christ. If you read that story, recognizing that Esther, if you look at Esther, you're seeing what God's plan is for the church and what the enemy tries to do to destroy 
the church and the purity there. The answer for abandonment and rejection. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of bondage again to fear, Romans 8, but the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I want you to know if you have that stuff in you where you have been rejected or abandoned by people, people that were supposed to love you and watch over you, it's the, the, the conditions are varied. But you know your story and you know that, that, that there's something deeply working in you. I can tell you that there is a spiritual force that is greater than your abandonment or rejection. One of the ways you know, by the way, people that have rejection and abandonment issues, a lot of times they preemptively sabotage relationships because they're going to hurt you before you can hurt them. God wants to heal that right now. I'll finish the message in a moment, but I want you to close your eyes. I want to pray for you real quick. Pia, I want you to come up and help me. I'm close to the end, but not done. <clears throat> but I want to flow here. How many of you know it's, it's always good to just trust the Holy Spirit? Amen. Just flow with him. Love that. Right now, in the name of Jesus, whether in the room or whether watching us online, we take authority. I take authority in the name of Jesus over every spirit of rejection, over every spirit of abandonment, where you are left in a time that traumatized your soul, where you were left by a former spouse, where you were left by a parent, where you were left by a family member, a brother, a sister, a cousin, a child, and you were rejected and somebody walked away from you and it tried to take you down and put this pain in your heart that seems inconsolable. Today, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we release the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption, that begins to heal that wound and ratify in your heart that you're a child of God, that he is your Abba Father, that he would heal that so completely that the, the, the balm of Gilead, the, the healing oil would be poured upon your head and upon your heart in the name of Jesus. We break every evil assignment trying to put sickness and disease inside of you because of that trauma. And we say no. We break the power of cancer. We break the power of heart disease. We break the power of arthritis. We break the spirit of depression and anxiety and all those things that try to hold you back. And we do it with the spirit of power and love and a sound mind that comes only from the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, would you come and bring wholeness and healing right now in every area, in every area. Come here, Corey. 
I want to, I want to, I want to show on the camera up here for a second. Put the camera, put the camera on me. I want to talk to people at home right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray for you, young man, in that area where you have been vulnerable to molestation and abuse because the people that were supposed to protect you haven't protected you. In the name of Jesus, we break that assignment off of you and we say you are not the identity that the enemy has put on you. You are who God says you are. And we release God's presence and power to bring healing and wholeness in the name of Jesus. We pray for you right now. You can be clean. You can start fresh. You can be set free. And we release that freedom now because freedom isn't, it's not a behavior or not doing what you were doing. Freedom is a person and his name is Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you give it up for the, God is doing something right there. We pray for you right now online in the room. Let me just finish the message because what happens is a very, very powerful story that Mordecai works within the palace, the the one that raises her, becomes embroiled in a feud with a powerful kingdom advisor named Haman. Thought he was the master of the universe. Three people remember Haman. He's enraged with demonic anger. Haman plots to have Mordecai killed for not bowing down to him and wants to wipe out all the Jews and gets the king to issue a a legal decree that on such and such a date, they can legally exterminate legal genocide of all of a whole race of people throughout the kingdom, the Jews can be killed. And suddenly, with Esther recognizing that she has come into the kingdom for such a time as this, in this true account, Esther fasts and prays and prepares type of the church, fasting, praying, preparing. And she prepares to expose Haman's plot to the king very strategically, waits on the right timing, and suddenly the tables are turned. In an instant, Haman is hung on the gallows he built for Mordecai. And Esther and Mordecai, if you read toward the end of Esther, it's really fascinating because it's... um, They go to the king after after Haman is hung. You think the story is over, right? No, the law was still going. The law was still in effect. They were going to, the Jews were still going to be killed. And as Esther reveals to the king that Mordecai is her uncle, that that, that she's Jewish, she could be killed. But at great risk of her own life, she steps up, she goes, they, they too go before the king and they say, oh king, we need you to overrule the decree and change it and, and cancel the day of, uh, of, of the killings. And the king says, what's law is law, but I'll do something better. And he extends the scepter to Esther and to Mordecai. And he puts all this royal stuff on Mordecai. And he says, and he takes his ring off and he puts it on Mordecai's hand. He said, I'm not gonna change the law. 
but I'm going to give you a power and the authority to make a brand new decree of whatever you want to happen. That's us. That's the church. <clears throat> you will decree a thing and it shall be established unto you. Right? You shall decree. What did, what did Pastor Jeff say a couple weeks ago? That apologetics is um, decrees and defenses of the gospel. It's not apologizing for things. It is decrees and explanations. You have the power to decree. And so they issue a new decree that on that day, that there's not only not going to be a killing, that anybody who tries to rise up, that the Jews have a legal right to kill all of those people. And everything shifts. And here's the cool thing that happens. Read the Bible toward the end of the book of Esther. It says, so as the day came closer and people knew the new law, many people began liking the Jews, of course. And they became Jewish. Many Iranians, Persians, converted and became Jewish and joined them. My friends, that's revival. If you can't beat them, join them. When the persecution is flipped on its head, that drawing in, a reversal, sudden, Epic reversal. They issue the new decrees. They're given the rights to killer persecutors. And we call that, today it's still celebrated every year among the Jewish people around the world as the Feast of Purim. Purim, the word Purim means casting of lots. It's how they were going to decide how to, who they're going to kill and what they're going to do. But it is a celebration literally of sudden epic reversals. It's a, it's a celebration. Now, by the way, I don't, I don't go by the Jewish calendar, but I, I, I looked it up just for the, just for, so right before our building dedication coming up March the 12th, the week before that is, is the Feast of Purim, still celebrated. We believe it's gonna be epic reversal, right? We believe God's gonna turn it. What we've been fighting for all these years, we're gonna see this building completed. So, Here's our takeaway. Boomerangs are in the air in this season. Whether good or bad, it's harvest time. But the promise of God in Ephesians 6, 8 is this. Whatever you make happen for someone else, God will make happen for you. Let's trust him today. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this place. Lord, we now... Just give you glory one more time for, for that Holy Spirit pause. That you're doing a deep work in those who've been traumatized without moms or dads or strategic people in their lives. Thank you for bringing healing and wholeness and continuing that work as we leave from this place. Help us to know God and make him known every place we go. Lord, we look to you as Lord of the harvest and we say that you're a God who reverses every curse, who reverses every dire situation. I want to say one more thing and that is someone here, you've been under a real assault. Um, 
And this is, this is the word I get. It's from inside and outside. So you're getting external pressure. Somebody's saying ugly stuff about you. I don't know if it's at school. I don't know if it's on the job. I don't know if it's on social media. <clears throat> Somebody's getting, you're getting accused or attacked with stuff that's not real. That's the external. The internal, the interior fight is that your mind is being barraged at the same time with the power of those words trying to drag you down. In the name of Jesus, we prophesy sudden, epic reversal of that situation where those who attack you will ask forgiveness. Those who, those who attack you, those who accuse you will be made to look bankrupt, will be made to look without evidence that God's gonna flip that thing. You do not take vengeance. You forgive, release, and do good and watch what God is gonna do to turn that whole thing around in Jesus' name, amen. Give him praise right now. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, you can know him right now. Just ask him into your heart by faith. We want you to know him. That's the greatest miracle that there is. Um, just ask him into your heart. Just get real with God. Be honest. God can handle your darkest thoughts. He already knows them anyway. Just tell him. He already knows. And he loves you anyway, right? Time to trust in the Lord of the harvest. And this year, let's look for his goodness in every difficult moment of life. Amen? Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.